0: Welcome, Twisted Lister, episode number eight now, and today we're going to count down the top songs, top albums, rather, of 1994. As always, joined by Todd and Harrison. You heard the Nirvana on the way into the show today, of course, a tribute to Kurt Cobain as uh, uh, as, as we... Go up, lead up to the 20th anniversary of Kurt Cobain's death. So we felt like this was a very fitting topic. The top albums of 94. Top songs of 94 might be a little different. Uh, top pop songs very. of 94. Yeah, li- very different. But top albums of 94. Yes. 94, a momentous year in music. We'll talk about why that is, why we think it is, and we'd love to hear from you as well. You can email us at twistedlister69 at gmail.com, of course. And you can also uh, access our show anywhere, iTunes, Stitcher, Swell, TuneIn, and I don't know if I left any, but SoundCloud, that's right. So get it wherever you want to get it, and, uh, and listen, and, and give us some feedback, and hello guys, how you doing? Doing well. Yeah. Yeah? Good, good, man. Good. good. Eight's good. my
1: lucky number, so this is episode number eight, so I got a good feeling. That's
0: good. Nice. I don't so, have yeah. a lucky number. I think I have no? unlucky. My neurosis gives me unlucky numbers, like I freak out about some numbers, but I don't have a lucky number. Got a lucky, oh, man? Lucky color. I, like should... I do have a, I mean, our yeah. favorite color, I guess. Not lucky I would have guessed
1: 19. That was my guess.
0: For oh, me, that's so. a, well, yeah, that's, that's a good one. And, of course, it is. And, of course, the name of great old 97 song, too. So. Yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, I wear
2: I wear 38's my lucky number. I guess has been that way for a while. I guess I figured my, that I knew that my one. <laughs> jersey number. So, yeah. yeah. Is that,
1: all right. Well, good. One yeah. day we should do it. We should do an episode about uh, songs that are just songs that are titled numbers. Best songs that could be good. We should. Could, we or should. Or with numbers in them. We should. Yeah.
0: But let's let's get into this, the today's countdown because today's countdown is really important. I think to. To all of us, as it was a monumental time as we were growing up, 1994, the height of our music discovery period, probably, or maybe towards the uh, – yeah, like the, the – Yeah, the, oh yeah no. the we of were it. all yeah, we're yeah, the high height school, of it. early yeah. in high school. Yeah, yeah, so, so 94, and a big year for music. It's crazy – so let's – I wanted to talk a little bit about how this, this topic came about, because Harrison mentioned it several weeks ago. He's like, we got to do a, a, a show just focused on 94, and I didn't realize the importance of 94 until I started looking back. And obviously, we said we got to do the 94. So now with with the 20th anniversary of Kurt Cobain's death and Nirvana going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just a week after this. So it's kind of it, – you know, this is a big – I feel like we're going to get a lot of Nirvana stuff the next two weeks. And, and it's justified. Uh, so the, the, the year of 94, though, as you guys did your research, I mean – you must have found – you found the same stuff that I did, which it's it's incredible what happened during that year as far as music was concerned.
2: The the output was absolutely incredible. Like, this is the hardest list I've had to make uh, yet. And it was – I mean, just – when you look back, I mean, there, there are at least 15 albums that I still listen to, at least songs off of on a fairly regular basis from that year. And, um, you know, we'll get into what all those are as we go along here. But it was also – you we were saying, uh, you know, huge events that happened that year. Woodstock '94 was a huge event. Um, Lollapalooza was on its, you know, hitting its stride. Yeah, you were saying, Scott, like they had. What did they have that year? The Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, the
0: Lollapaloo- Lollapalooza. Uh, yeah, so, so the live events the, the, from the. So I, I, there were several things that make '94 this crazy year of music, and I think it was a combination of, and it's not just about the albums that come out because I think people could make an argument. For any year where there are great albums because i think any year you can find yeah that's something I, yeah. not not any year but you can probably find several years where there were five to ten incredible albums out not every year um probably the late 90s and early 2000s are gonna be hard pressed for that um but during you know probably along and and it's kind of also when you see great albums it's very general right because there could be great pop albums and great you know whatever there is but What's great about 94 is you had this combination of Harrison, as you're talking about, live events, which I do want to talk about. You had the, the mm. strongest Lollapalooza lineup probably ever. It was the Beastie Boys, Smashing Pumpkins, Tribe Called Quest, George Clinton. Cypress Hill, Green Day, Day. yeah, it was it was absolutely you know incredible.
1: Well, the year that Pearl Jam and the Chili Peppers played was pretty incredible too. I will say. Oh yeah, wasn't that ninety? Was that ninety two? It I think it was. But I'm gonna take this lineup over that one. Wasn't Ice Cube, Ice Cube, and uh, was Nine Inch Nails in that? I thought they were
0: too. They might have been on the '92 lineup, think but so. that but, was a pretty yeah, impressive. But the lot, the '94 was the beginning of a really diverse lineup, and I think I, I understand Ice Cube. That's- you know, Ice Cube was for '92 having Ice Cube on a bill with Pearl Jam and Chili Peppers was somewhat uh, diverse, but to throw in George Clinton and Tribe with alongside the pumpkins and then you had the beastie boys who definitely crossed over different genres it was really the first time where you had a lineup that was that for i mean the lack of a better word diverse right um i think also you, you so the live events were big woodstock 94 was a really big event i as a as a 14 or 15-year-old at the time. I spent uh, $50 to watch it on pay-per-view because Ready? I was that big a dork, and I recorded the entire thing on VHS. It's sitting downstairs <laughs> in the uh, the basement of the home <laughs> office somewhere right now, but... Um, Anyway, yeah, so if you want to see the Red Hot Chili Peppers wearing the light bulbs on their head, I think that was the performance. But I oh, yeah. sat there as a teenager and watched literally hours and hours of this stuff, and it's so cool because it's all available now so easily, which we should talk about this live stream of the Ultra Music Festival, which took place this week, which I could imagine 15-, 16-year-olds sitting around and watching for hours. Uh, but anyway, it was like the beginning. So you had this the, this massive event on television using cable, obviously cable TV for distribution. You had Lollapalooza, which was really the beginning of of the, it was the beginning of the festival history in the United States, without a doubt. I mean, it, it brought over everything from Europe to the U.S. Uh, and then you, you know, you also had the rock, the, the the rock radio festival starting it up, which of course was HF Festival in '94. And I wanted to play something for you guys because our guy Kurt Loder, filed a report from HF Festival '94. Let's take All a listen. Right. Yeah.
1: Summer concert season got underway last weekend when Washington, D.C. radio station WHFS held its fourth annual HF Festival at RFK Stadium, luring 60,000 60, people to snap up $15 tickets to see such acts as Afghan wigs, counting crows, toad, the wet sprocket, meat puppets, Rollins band, pavement, and violent Femmes, plus the usual sideshow of causes and crusades. Here's what it was
2: like. <laughs> That's great. Causes and
1: Crusades. That's cur- great.
2: <laughs> Fifteen yeah, bands for fifteen bucks. Yeah, how about what that? What an amazing
1: deal. That was actually my first big like concert festival experience in my life and it was a seminal experience, but like incredible lineup. Whenever I look back on that show, HF Festival ninety four, you know, I'm in awe of like how many great bands that were were in that lineup. So and he Kurt Litter mentioned a bunch of them. I don't know if he said like he mentioned Violent Femmes, but James was there too. And I've been on a big James kick in the last week. But like it was an amazing lineup. And so a lot of those bands, of course, released big albums in 94 or 93.
2: That yeah. was grounded. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I didn't get Harrison, to go. Harrison missed it. <laughs> yeah. I missed it.
0: And I was upset. I remember that Danzig wasn't on the lineup. I actually remember going through a Danzig <laughs> phase at that stage. Little did I know that Danzig had no right to be on that lineup. Yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, they, yeah, that was – so So you had this crazy – you had this – connect. you had these the rock radio festivals going on. You had Lollapalooza with an, an absolutely ex- amazing lineup. And then you had Woodstock 94, which really is, is – you know, say what you will about Woodstock 94, but I do think that it symbolizes what was going on there because, number one – it brought all. It did bring all different genres together. You did have people like Salt and Pepper and Cypress Hill on the lineup there, right? Uh, it also brought together both the classic rock stuff and the alternative stuff, uh, as well as the the jam band stuff, which was really hitting its peak at that point. And that's what that's what makes '94 different from other years is all these different. I don't know if genre is the right word, but like subcategories no, no. I of. I think music. it's fair. I
1: think it's fair. It's fair. Genres genre. good. We're, Genres good.
0: We're still active, right? So you had you had classic rockers, Neil Young, Page and Plant. Uh, I mean, the list. Pink Floyd. Tom Petty. Pink Floyd's final studio album. Okay, coming. Tom Petty, obviously. Yeah. Uh, you know, still coming out with stuff, and they were still young enough where they were still relevant and touring and 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 uh, and really doing i guess relevant touring and then you yeah. you had you had the the bands of the 90s hitting their peak a lot of them we've already mentioned and I'm sure we'll mention throughout the show green day pearl jam beastie boys etc uh, and then you had hip hop transit fully transitioning from the the early and mid 80s stuff of like Curtis Blow and Sugar Hill Gang, which say what you will about that stuff. It obviously has a place historically. And then that turned into, you know, Public Enemy and N.W.A. And then it was like the, the third wave really had had hit full force with Tupac and Biggie and Nas. And all of a sudden, just like in rock where you had the classic rockers like Neil Young and CSN and uh, and and Floyd and some of the others and Page and Plant who were kind of co-joining with the grunge thing you had guys you know you had the public enemy guys and other people handing it off I felt like to Tupac and Biggie and all of a sudden you're bridging you know like 15 years of hip-hop at that point too with some of that being in the future if this if I'm getting way too abstract you can still point no me, I think I think it's a know? good
1: point and then what makes yeah. 19 because I was trying to think this last week of is 1994 really exceptional or is it just another you know great year for music and I think that one of the things that makes it somewhat exceptional. I don't think it's completely because I think you could argue 92, 93, those were amazing years too. But I think the point that Scott you're getting at, which is good, and an important point, is that you had a lot of things coming to the mainstream um, uh, of different types of music, like rap and like alternative, putting it in quotes, kind of, and like punk with you know Green Day and yeah. a lot of the punk bands and, that were they you know, were coming up and jam bands. Yeah, yeah no that's another one. And you yeah. had bands like Blues Traveler and Dave Matthews band who really came up from the jam scene and all of a sudden they're like top forty pop acts and you could say the same thing about like Pearl Jam and Stuttgart Pilots and Nirvana yeah. and all those bands becoming pop acts and obviously rap like you know Biggie and Tupac but all those things kinda came together and I think that was what's that was pretty interesting because I, I think they came together in a way that they hadn't at that, you know, to that point in 1994, and so I think we continue to see that through the rest of the decade, but...
2: I think, for me, it was just this kind of explosion of music that's still rippling through today. Like, there's still bands that, you know, that first hit then that are relevant now, you know, Beck, Mellow Gold came out that Mm -hmm. year. He just released his new album, and you can go through you can go down the list of people. Lots who, of
1: debuts, yeah, great. yeah, well, debuts.
2: who are debuting then and are, who are still relevant now. You know, Weezer, which I'm sure we'll talk about.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk about all yeah. these: Weezer, Beck, Green Day, Nas. And, yep. Outcast. Uh, and uh I mean it's it's, it's insane. Yeah. It's it's crazy the bands that broke in ninety four. So. Outcast Alcast and
1: Biggie obviously Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll get we'll get into that. I you know, we should take a moment to talk about the pop music of ninety four though. I mean the the I found <laughs> I found my two favorite Ace of Bass clips, how can you Ace, not talk about that? Ace of Bass the number one <laughs> song in ninety four yes. if we weren't counting down songs. Uh but uh, I I found one of my favorite sound clips from ninety four. And here it is. And this is from an artist uh, that y- you guys will know very well, but I don't think anybody who didn't live in 1994 would know. But this was part of a duet which took place, okay? And we didn't hear much from her after this, but this line really resonates with me.
2: And inside the
0: Michelle and Diego Cello, 1994. I had to play that. Wow, yeah, yeah. I didn't see that one coming. Yeah, I know. She, played, she
2: yeah. played UMBC's Spring Fest back in uh, nineteen ninety nine. I got to see, or I had the opportunity to see her live. I didn't take him up on it, but uh, yeah, <laughs> she was our headlining act. That's what we we booked at my at my college. If for she a... if she could just sing this line over and over.
3: And
0: That's a great line, and then there's another soundbite from 1994 that I want. To... So wild. Was like that John... the,
2: wait? Was that the last time John Mellencamp was relevant? No. Oh. no.
0: Stop oh. that. Just because it was a rough year for Indiana basketball, you don't have to rip on John Mellencamp too. That's not <laughs> fair. And the other sound clip from 94, from the pop charts of 94, that that is incredible. And this is this this could get into the the, the real discussion, but this soundbite is amazing too, from the pop charts of 94.
3: Regulators, <laughs> That's yes.
0: that's great. It was
3: a clear black
0: night, a clear white moon. Warmer G was on the streets yeah. trying to consume some sturtz. This also happened in '94, so plenty to yeah. talk about leading into the countdown here. Uh, Harrison.
1: So do we want to talk about Cobain or more? Or what do you, what do
0: you, well, I I think why don't we talk a little bit? Well, I mean, if, if you think if if you want to talk the influence of Cobain, no, Todd, go ahead. I think the 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 Cobain death tr- taking place in '94 uh, is
2: is
1: relevant to this discussion as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was one of the biggest things that happened as far as music in '94.
2: If we had to name the one, yeah. I, the number one news item of music news item of the year, of the year. I think yeah. that's it, right? Right. Um, yeah. I as I I actually got to go see Pearl Jam that night at uh, Patriot Center. Me and uh, the Dick, Matt Dicker, we went. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and there were there were actually a bunch of other people from uh, WJ there, but um, yeah, it was my it was my first real concert experience as a as a teenager. Um, and his, uh, my neighbor was Neil Young's road manager. Well, it was a story we we'll, I'm sure we'll hear again at some point, but he, he got me tickets. Um, and I remember just like, it was like, it was like this weird, like weird vibe the whole night, you know, like you had all these teenage kids just like depressed people just sitting outside in front of the Patriot center, like in big circles, like nobody knew what to do. Uh, and, and then, uh, you know, he had this live show from Pearl Jam, and, and I remember reading an article with uh, Eddie Vedder uh, later, where he talked about that show and about how he um, actually was going to cancel the, the performance. But yeah, Ian McKay of, uh, uh, of Minor Threat was backstage and told him he had to play that night because these kids couldn't lose two, two, uh, those two in the same day. Like he's just like, you got to go out there and show them that there's still, there's still hope. Yeah. Um, at least that's the that's the the story. So it's a good story. Uh, yeah,
1: yeah,
0: That's a, that's a great show. The whole show's available on YouTube. It really is a historical night. If you need to see it, it's uh just go YouTube, April eighth, ninety four, Patriots. No, over, I didn't know it was the whole thing. Pearl called. Jam, and here's the yep. speech from Eddie Vedder discussing what had happened that day. <laughs> it's coming, right? It's coming. Yeah, it's
2: coming. Yeah.
3: It's a lot of space the I might have to do it. And, uh, you know, we always complain about, uh, you know, the good old days and playing in clubs, but actually, you know, clubs you couldn't get in unless you were 21, that kind of stuff. Or unless it was a prevalent show. <laughs>
2: Unless it was a Fugazi show.
3: We're not only kind of far, we're kind of elevated, I notice. It's a little more than usual. Either that or I've gotten taller. But I don't think it's very good to elevate yourself. I think that can be very dangerous. sometimes, whether you like it or not, people elevate you, you know, whether you like it or not. It's real easy to fall. So, uh... I don't, I don't want to be the messenger, uh, you know, somebody who delivers bad news, you know, uh, kill the messenger. But, uh... I don't. I don't think any of us
0: would be in this room here tonight if it weren't for Kurt Cobain. So, so that was April. Was a lot eight, of build up, A lot yeah. of build up for that. Well, yeah. that was that was April 8th, 94, at Patriot Center. Pearl Jam playing that night. The night that they had found Kurt Cobain's body. Pearl Jam didn't find Kurt Cobain's body. But, uh, yeah, that would that, have been very interesting. Yeah, yeah like that would have been interesting. Here in the
2: mystery machine and pulled up a. Yeah. But uh, but no,
0: you know, uh, on a separate topic that we should do, uh, YouTube is an amazing source to find great concert banter. So uh, I do want to put together one time a collection of the best live concert banter, and Eddie Vedder would obviously be at the top of that list. But there's so go through live shows on YouTube, and you will find I. I've got an amazing clip from Flea yesterday. I'm not going to get into it now, but he just talked about the power of music, and it was really empowering, kind of like that. So, um, anyway, obviously a big night, Harrison. You were there. You talked about your 94 experience with, with the Pearl Jam show. Todd, you talked about HF Festival 94, the importance of that. I just spent a shitload of money on CDs. That's all I remember. And a lot of shit A lot over
2: <laughs> I mean, that. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Jimmy Jimmy Iovine's kids bar mitzvah was definitely funded by the CDs that we bought. Uh, I kept, I kept yeah. the squirreled
2: in business at uh, Montgomery Mall, so yeah. yeah.
0: So let's get into let's get into the countdown, uh, right. counting down the top albums of '94. And this is I, this has been awesome doing the research for this show and coming up with the list here. So I'm excited to uh, to hear your guys' results. So hey, Harrison, why don't you start us off, man?
2: All right, I'm gonna start off like I said, most difficult list. Ever and the number five spot, I have I think twenty albums that could have gone in it, <laughs> but um, for me, I went with uh, number five is uh, Weezer, Weezer's first album, self-titled, I guess now known as the Blue Album. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But uh, you know, which hit huge with uh, the Sweater Song. I think that was their big, the big hit off of that. And then you know, Buddy, Buddy Holly, Holly. Yeah. Buddy Holly, going back to Spike Jones. You know, another Spike Jones original, um, which was put him on the map too. And, uh, you know, I think Weezer speaks for itself as far as that being, a re- you know, staying relevant. And, um, you know, to this day, they're still, I think, one of the most influential bands. The beginning of Emo, if, uh, if you ask, you know, the right people. Uh, so, again, another genre that was born out of 94 or really, you know, hit its stride then. So that's my number fifth No, pick. that's a
1: great choice. That's
2: on my, it's on my top five. Um, number four uh, just because I love it a lot, uh, uh, the Downward Spiral by Nine Inch Nails, which, uh, you know, just gives you closer. Again, another genre buster, um, really bringing uh, electronic music into the mainstream. Which you know, Skrillex can thank uh, Trent Reznor <laughs> for the work he did, you know, 20 years ago. Also, just Nine Inch Nails performance at Woodstock '94, I think, still stands as one of the great live live shows of all time. There, um, the way they took control of everything there, so that was incredible. Watch that.
0: Yeah, covered in mud. Covered in mud. I was um, going see. Say
1: them and Green Day both had you know memorable performances, and the Chili Peppers, like Scott. Miller. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Green,
0: the but, Green Day but, but, show. I'm uh, Harrison. Sorry to cut you off on your oh, list, but a few more tidbits on Woodstock '94. I and we didn't really break down Woodstock '94. That could be a different show, probably. But you're right. Nine Inch Nails covered in mud. The the Green Day show where the people are throwing mud. Uh, we both pretty substantial, and then of course Friday night set with Collective Soul was a really memorable experience. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> or was that Thursday on, night? Was it when? When did was, they have like they had all these up and remember they had the up and comers play? I think it was Thursday night. Do you guys remember this? No, no just you. Bigly, uh, bigly. Big. You, you did the per view. I, I was yeah yeah. I was big into Woodstock '94. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I I think yeah Thursday night uh, um I think Collective Soul was among the headliners. So
2: that how was, come
1: there was there's no Woodstock '14? That's what I'm wondering. You know, there's no. <laughs> no no uh, one's making we, a big deal out of it. Because
2: we burned it down in 99. I guess, <laughs>
1: I guess so. I guess they gave up the ghost. Yeah. <laughs> but I was going to uh, comment just one thing on, on Nine Inch Nails, Downward Spiral, because I was a huge Nine Inch Nails fan uh, back then, but it's not in my top five. It was close, very close. Um, but, um, no, I love that's a, it's a great album. I think it was uh, I, it pro- arguably their best, Nine Inch Nails' best album. Um but the, the only reason the only reason I didn't yeah it's arguable I think I mean at the time I thought it was best album um, yeah you could argue maybe topped it later but I don't I don't know and that's an interesting discussion I guess for these the, today's list though is like whether it was Van's best album or not that they came out with that year but the the only reason I didn't put it in my top five is because um, because I think if I was making the list back in 1994 it probably would have been in my top five but going back and listening to some of the albums. I guess I just felt like some of the others, I guess, at this point, maybe it's just because I'm older, but I like, you know, some of the other albums I put up a little higher. But it's a great album, you know?
2: no, Yeah, I, I, for me, it was just, you know, I think just because it was so influential, that's why it got on my list. I think it, yeah. it opened up a lot of avenues that weren't um, that weren't open before. It opened up, you know, you're you playing closer on the radio, man. That was insane. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so it cha- I think it just kind of changed – Changed perspective a little bit in a way that uh, is worth noting as an influential album that came out of that year. But beyond that, we'll go to my number three, um, which is ill communication, the beastie boys. Um, which I think again, a great album. I think that's the beastie boys at their peak. You know, there's an argument to be made for Paul's boutique, but I think ill communication was their definite like master album. I don't think it got it. It didn't get any better after that. um, yeah, it was just just a fantastic hard charging album. I've talked about sabotage before. You know, sure shot. There's some just some really good tracks on there, and it's as a whole album, you can sit down and listen to it, the beginning and end, and it and it sounds great. Which I don't think you can always do with uh, some uh, more you know, rap albums. They don't always flow. So um, that's a good point. Yeah. So that's a big that's a big one for me. Um, Number two, for me, just because it's so tied up in my own teenage angst and there's, like, so much going on in my life when it (laughs) came out, uh, that Vitology by Pearl Jam is up there. Also, I think still has some uh, well-worn tracks on it. I know this is is higher than I think it maybe deserves, but for me, it's just so tied into so much. (laughs) Like, I, I relate so much to this album that it's, like, definitely number two in my heart, right? Um, no, I
1: have Vitalogy, that's also in my top five. We've got, some, got, you know, you've got better, here
2: Better Man on there, Nothing Man, um what else? Uh last corduroy. Last day, corduroy. Corduroy I think is probably one of the best best songs to come off that album. Yeah.
1: No, I, I Vitalogy's a great album. The only reason it's funny, I, I mean it's in my top five, so obviously mm-hmm. I think very highly of it, but it's interesting because, you know, it's not Pearl Jam's best album, but I think it's probably number three or four. Uh yeah. That's my Obviously, that's my... It's funny, though. If you asked me in 1994, I think I would have... Or 95. I think I... At one point, I thought it was their best album. It's only in hindsight oh, yeah. where I realized it's not as good as Verses or 10, probably. But, yeah,
2: yeah. It's it, it probably isn't, but I still think it's a, it was an important album. It's, no,
1: it was still... It was a landmark album.
2: Yeah. And then uh, my number one with, with a bullet, uh, the posthumous Nirvana Unplugged, which I think is just ma- just a massive album... So well put together, so well curated by Cobain, you know, the music he chose to do that, not playing any of their hits, playing a bunch of, you know, lead belly covers and really just um, going deep into it. And that is probably the most overanalyzed unplugged of all time because it was... Right before he killed himself. Probably
1: because it was one of the best, but I, I agree No, it also you. one it's, of
2: the best. I mean, yeah,
0: like, um, yeah, rightfully so, as far as the analyzation of M- Nirvana's empty, uh, Nirvana Unplugged, I guess we called it Unplugged New York, but yeah, I, that album, you know, rightfully so. I mean, there's so many angles to it. Obviously, you had Cobain's death just months before it was released. And like you said, the track selection, everything about it, it was, it, 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 I, there's, I, don't, I, w- I would argue, I don't, think the, I don't think there's overanalyzation of it. I think rightfully so. I think its place mm-hmm. in rock history is well-deserved, that album. Um, yeah, no, I, I
1: agree. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't agree more with that, yeah. your number one selection. So, I mean, I can mm-hmm. get, get into that more, too. But, no, it's an amazing album. So. Awesome. And, and it holds up incredibly well. I went back, and I don't think I listened to the whole thing start to finish in years and uh listened to it this past week a couple times but it still you know holds up just as well if not better you know 20 years later so
0: it's yeah it's and, and can you guys think of another album where a hard rocking band like nirvana went acoustic and didn't sound somewhat cheesy for a full album i, I can't think of another is there another example because you know all the hair metal guys Kind of did it like we saw Bon Jovi do it, but it, it's not, you know, and it's good, it's fine, but it's not something you're gonna listen to over and over and over because it has a certain level of cheesiness to it. The right, Nirvana... it was, it
1: was an early unplugged act, I think.
2: I think like Pearl Jam again... did theirs a little bit before. Pearl Jam, yeah.
0: Pearl Jam's probably a good example. The, the Pearl
2: Jam unplugged does 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 hold up. That's that's probably one. It, that, it does, yeah. I mean, but yeah. I don't even think it holds up as well. I mean, yeah. it's just them doing really really hard acoustic versions of their songs. Like Nirvana, like rewrote stuff to right. do their Right. Right. You know, like they totally changed every, like you know, really changed the tempo, the demeanor, everything. Pearl Jam's was an acoustic show. You well, know, it I, was like they just an It was,
0: and not only did they change it, but they did it well because you could change things and it could sound shitty. <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? That's right. that's the key. is oh, yeah. that, that you know, because there's plenty of bands who do acoustic versions and change it up and slow things down, etc., cetera. Et cetera. But to have them to have it equal the best output, some of the best output of your career when some of your stuff has been obviously some of the hardest rock to come out in the last, you know, 20 years or whatever, 25 years. um, That's incredible. So I think that's, you know, that's that's the thing about them that was really amazing as far as that album was concerned, is that any album that I feel like albums that bridge the gap, not to quote Will, I am. Uh, but any albums that bridge the gap, you know, because what it did was, I think before they were labeled as a heart, you know, it was a heart, whatever you want to label it as. And I'm ta- I'm not talking about music people, but I'm talking about just the, the public in general labeling it as punk or hard rock or whatever they wanted to label it as. And then all of a sudden there were people who were listening to these guys playing acoustic guitars and, and probably listening to it in a very different way. So, yeah, you know, oh
1: yeah, you know. Oh, definitely. Uh, well, that's a it's a great list. Yeah, I, I have a lot of I have a lot of overlap with it. So, cool. Did you have anything else, Harrison? Before I go into the no, that's
2: that's that's it. I'd love to hear what okay. you got.
1: All right. No, I um at number five I have Vitalogy actually Pearl Jam. Um, nice. It's I I couldn't not include that one. Like I mean I think Harrison was you were saying kind of the same thing because it was such a vital album, especially when you think about. You know, when that came out in 1994, following up two massive albums like Ten and Versus, which I think are probably, you know, probably Pearl Jam's best two albums. And it's kind of funny to think about because I think they've had, they've been pretty consistent, I think, over the last 20 plus years, 20, whatever, 40 years, three years they've been together. But I do think, you know, they probably peaked with their first, you know, three albums because I think no code was a big drop off after this. I would came definitely out in agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think Yield actually is underrated, um, but yeah. I still don't think it holds like compares to the first three albums. So I think what's interesting about Vitology is just in hindsight, because obviously I loved it at the time. Harrison loved it. I, Scott, I think we all did at the time, and it did it did contribute some of the best, some Pearl Jam live staples, some of their absolute best songs like Better Man and Corduroy, nothing man Immortalities in the black circle i mean tons of great songs um but i think it was also kind of pearl jam's last album where they were like one of the biggest rock bands in the world and i think no code they might have been when it came out but i think after that it kind of heated out a little bit why do you always
0: um, rip on no code when it had this incredible track on it i mean come on guys where we are. <laughs> you know this is oh, this who you are is, as Todd knows, one of my favorites. I don't think anybody else in the <laughs> entire world oh, likes it. Oh, is that really one of your favorites? Oh, it's my God. That. I don't even know if you're
2: joking. Like no, what's... I'm not yeah, I thought you were kidding. I'm
0: not, jo- I'm not joking. I think the song oh, is great. I think the song I...
2: is great. Yeah. seen it all. It also has Smile on it. It's it, it, It's an album that I can... I, every once in a while when I go back to it, it's not as bad as I remember it being the last time I listened yeah, to it. Because and that's not to say it's bad, it's just not a great girl jam.
1: Right, it's just... I think they they, they set the bar so high with their first three albums, especially, particularly the first two, but definitely the first three albums that... You know, No Code was disappointing, but still had some great stuff on it. Hail Hail is a great song. Yeah, it Always has fun yeah. and they play it live. No, if you, if you treat their um, first al-
2: first three albums as a trilogy, then Vitology is a really great ending note, I think, for that. Um, it is, um, it is. Yeah.
1: But, and so anyway, Vitology, as I say, it's a great album. It's not quite as consistent, I think, as the first two, and I, I still get annoyed, even when I listen to it in the last week because the first side, or if you're going to put it, I wasn't listening to a tape, but, like, <laughs> the first half I have of it the on LP.
2: Al- I have it on LP. Oh, doing? do you? Okay. Yeah. Well,
1: the first side of the, you know, or half of the album is awesome, and it really, I think, flows pretty well. And then the second half, they put on all this filler. Oh, there we go. Nice. <laughs> He's got Harrison showing us the Vitality LP. But uh, but the second half, I think, is when they have Bugs and Foxy Mop Handle Mama and, like, oh. Ida Vanita, and they put on all this filler, and I still don't know why. I guess it made yeah. sense in their whatever they were taking at the time or whatever they were on but but mm-hmm. uh but anyways it's still a great album it's just that's the only reason why I dropped it to number five actually bef- and when we started this process I had it at one or two um, mm-hmm. I dropped it a little bit yeah, so anyway
0: the bugs paramed- bugs definitely not one of their best outputs no,
2: uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I still have yet to hear this live bugs on my
3: ceiling waiting
0: Bugs rivals. There's another track that Bugs rivals, not to get too far off base, but the Stone Temple Pilots track. The STP song off core, core, yeah, yeah. Which we have to compare the two now that we've played the Bugs. The song off a core, which is "Wet My Bed." That's it, right? It's. I think it's. it's "Wet My Bed." Hey everybody,
1: (laughs) (laughs) where
2: did Mary
0: go?
1: I haven't heard this in so long. I actually. I feel like that was a great what preview of, into I mean, Wyland, yeah. what the next <laughs> several years would bring for Wyland, the rest of the 90s.
2: <laughs> what what um, the next several years from now will bring as well.
1: Yes, which actually, this is <laughs> Scott, that's a perfect transition because my number All four right. album is STP, Snow Pilots, Purple, which I think is actually, again, was not on my top five when I made my first short, my short list for this show. And then when I listened to it, it hit me how much I still love that album, how much it holds up, I think as an amazing hard rock album, and I would argue, is there, is was STP's high water mark, oh, absolutely, they ever did better than that album, yeah, um, you know, I, the first album was awesome, and really, you know, came out of nowhere for a lot of people, because no one had heard of them, and it's not like they had been around for a while, but the second album, they put it all together, and then after that, I, it's funny, because I went back and read kind of the whole history of STP again, and Wyland's drug addiction kept bringing them back down. Like when they did come out with the third album, Tiny Music, which was two years later in '96. It's also a very good album. It's not quite. It's not as good. Um, but then I don't think they could tour for it because he went back in a rehab. And that's basically the continuing <laughs> <laughs> the theme. cycle of S <laughs> D As
0: ever since what I what I want to do in in honor of Wyland because I feel as the as the DJ of the show, I feel bad that the last track that we played was him singing about how he wet his bed and he lost his last cigarette. <laughs> so I feel like we need to play the opening riff from Interstate Love Song because it is so oh, good. Yeah. yeah, You know, like, this song, when, when, the, when it really kicks in here in a second. Not that anyone hasn't heard it. I just wanted to get that other song out of my head.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And for those here. who may have forgotten how awesome Purple right here. Was. okay we're good and they're no there yeah. it's funny because there you go back and you listen to purple and it's it, to me that's like hard rock perfection of the 90s because mm-hmm. their riffs were just these killer riffs Wyland was type. in peak form I mean they were yeah there's so many good riffs off that if you listen to lounge fly it's funny going back to Kurt Loder because they took the the clip from lounge fly for their theme the intro theme to do you remember for MTV news that Wait, happen. that you know, was
0: – really? I didn't know they, that. They pulled it
1: from Lounge Fly, which oh. is, an, um, again, very underrated yeah. song. That's the cool thing about that album is that's, not only did it have great singles like Vaseline and – This. Oh, and, and, yeah, you're right. Interstate Love Song. Todd, you're yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. Wow, so, yeah. That was, that was the MTV News yeah, intro. Yeah. So – Yeah.
2: Well, I got oh, it. Oh, that's such a good song. Yeah. It's a
1: great song. But that album, start to finish, not just the singles. Like, I think every song – you can joke about the last song because it's the whole 12 Gracious Melodies thing. But even, mm. like, Kitchenware and Candy Bars, which is the cl- real closing track, as I see it on that album, is a great song. And obviously it had Big Empty, too. Yeah. Scott already said it was the greatest song that ever was released at the time. <laughs> That's at least. right. It was.
0: Yeah. That was, well, I so, tell you, and you guys mentioned your moments in 94. I got to see them, and I. Be- it had to be 94. It was It was the Purple Tour. So I oh, third yeah. row, third row at Sun Temple Pilots with Alex. And it was, I thought that life couldn't get in, just like when I heard Big Empty for the first time. I thought that being in the third row, Row, uh, watching the Meat Puppets open for the Stone Temple for Stone Temple Pilots was the height of my life. It was absolutely incredible seeing. I mean, Meat Puppets again. I bought an album for one hit, uh, which of course we did back then, Backwater. Backwater, <laughs> yeah, Backwater. And, yeah, right? Backwater. and uh, then they opened, and then it was STP, and I was in the third row, and it was an incredible experience seeing Scott Weiland dance across stage. But I did have a rock and roll moment then. I'll tell you, my rock and roll moment at that show was when I learned how great. One of those moments where you realize how great rock is. When you see that you're 15 years old and there's no smoking signs ever, everywhere in the arena, right? But then you see that the guys on stage can smoke as much as they want, and it was, of course, it, it was, yeah. and it's amazing. And you're like, oh, I get this now. You can do whatever you want when you're a rock star. So uh, <laughs> the rules was, don't apply. The rules don't apply. And I thought That's that right. was, yeah, I thought that was that was great. And uh, Wyland, I, uh, yeah, we know what happened to Wyland after that night. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not sure. Which Scott had a better life, me or, or Wyland, But it's still up for Wait, grabs. Where,
1: where was that show? Was, that, that, show was
0: that was at the Patriot Center. That oh, was okay. yeah. That All show right. was at the Patriot another Patriot Center, Center memory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. They well, yeah.
2: well, You know. Well, one of you is just slumming it in California, and the other one's a member of STP. So you know. I don't know.
1: He's not,
0: a, he's not a member. He lost his job to freaking Chester Bennington Chester from Bennington Park. From
2: Park. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh God. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you so, know my, funny, just give actually... up at that point, guys. You know.
1: Yeah, the Leo post-script. Brothers going
2: to move on. Yeah. Uh,
1: Stp postscript is that I saw Wyland actually solo perform eight, one year ago <laughs> at the Howard Theater in DC, and um, he the funny thing was he advertised it as the Purple to Core, uh, Purple to the Core tour. Oh yeah, that's awesome. He said so he advertised that he was going to be playing all of both albums. He did not play all <laughs> of Purple and Core. But Scott Wyland, everyone lets him get away with it. But actually, I will say, I mean. Granted, it would have been a lot better with STP, the whole band, but he still sounded pretty good, even, especially given all the drugs that he's done. No, that he's guy. Stuff, that right.
0: guy is a rock star. You see, there's like people. There's people you see who are born to be rock stars. That guy yes. was on the like. Bo- like what uh, else? Yeah. What else would that guy be doing? He'd be on your on the corner of my street with a megaphone if he was not a rock star. Because luckily, <laughs> uh, yeah. he can carry. The, you know, what we need to make is an is a Scott Weiland action figure with the megaphone, <laughs> <laughs> a shirtless guy with megaphone. A megaphone, a megaphone and a cigarette. And a no. in yeah, yeah, a cigarette in one hand, hand and a megaphone in the other hand, and, and he a little, glides. Little baggy of black tar heroin. Maybe that's you awesome. guys have to make it dark. And then he and then what he does <laughs> is he comes with a, a thing that allows the the figurine to glide across the floor. So because that's what he does. He those dance moves are are Jagger. He, he did he did oh. have the moves like Jagger before Adam Levine claimed that he did. Okay, incredible. So, yeah. And I yeah. think
1: actually want to you know how they did if you remember the video. I think it was for Wicked Garden. Was that the one where they 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 dressed up like kiss uh, uh, i, I think remember. that was wicked garden maybe remember. it was a different one okay i thought it was off yeah. of core but they dressed up like kiss it was very clever because like i think that was wyland's childhood idol his rock idols that kiss. makes sense and yeah so that makes sense. it does so, make sense yeah. when you think about it again with perspective i didn't think about this in 1994 i think i was too young to have the perspective but going back this week and listening to it i was like look I think STP were like the Kiss of the 90s, you know, relative from as Kiss were to the 70s, STP no. were the 90s. Oh, that's, that's, that's a stretch. That I know, that but I think they were one of the best riff rock bands of the 90s. I think. Oh, that's. I think rock,
0: I think STP's musical out. Oh, this was this is a genera- This is a total generational comment, but I think yeah. STP's musical output is better than that of. Well, I Kiss. agree. I was yeah. never a
1: huge Kiss fan, yeah. but I mean, you think about all the rockers of the 90s, and Kiss was a huge influence on. Just about oh, yeah. all of them. You talked to Kurt Cobain at the time. Even you talked to Eddie Vedder. You talked to a lot of, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know, a lot of guys well, like. I think Jeff anybody? Tweedy, any of the guys? Loved any, Kiss, any
0: you know? guys or girls who were in high school in the late seventies. I mean, if you watch yeah. Days of Confuse, you fully understand the impact of Kiss. So yes,
2: yeah, I don't, I don't. They're a cultural
1: you know. force to be reckoned
0: with. But anyway, yeah. so I, 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 so I guess the. What I'm that was no, on it my
2: original top five anyway. Purple was on my original top oh, five. Oh, I I thought, for Weezer. I thought Paul I
0: think... Paul Stanley's unplugged album
1: was on your top five. I didn't know. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean Freely's comments yeah. actually. <laughs>
1: but I do think STP, it's just funny because when I went back and read about STP, they really got dumped on by critics back then because they mm-hmm. weren't you know, they never were as beloved as Pearl Jam or Nirvana and some of the other bands of the nineties, but they always I think they came true, with
2: that LA stigma, album. that hair metal LA stigma, and they didn't couldn't quite yeah. get over it. Yeah.
1: So anyway, that's my number four. Moving well, on. I think three. also
0: the fact that they all hated each other and, and like Todd said, couldn't tour had to be had to yeah. be a problem. Yeah. And I also they got the other thing and and I have this love hate thing with Interstate love song is I just played the guitar riff a few minutes ago. It's a great song, but it got kind of adult contemporized. You know what I mean? It got completely yeah, played out and it, it it went from being a rock song to really an adult contemporary song and that, that kills you. I mean, that really does that really can or
1: can kill you, I guess. So that's yeah. true. No, I mean, but it's the it, funny thing is, it still a, it holds up as a great song. But you're right; yeah. it was just a little softer for them and yeah. some of their other stuff. Mm. Anyway, moving on. Number three, um, I did have Dookie. Green Day. Um, I couldn't. I I had to put this one on again. Um, I mean, I listened to this so much. I think we all probably did in, in high school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went back again. I hadn't listened to the album start to finish in years. I don't think, and it still holds up. Uh, you know, amazingly catchy. Album, which really brought in the whole pop punk wave that we would see in the mid 90s, mid to later 90s, and even, you know, even into the 2000s. I think. Um, I think it led. You know, unfortunately, it, when you have a great band, a lot of times it leads to some crappy imitators. So, you know, I think you had that with the pop punk thing because you had bands like Sum 41 and you had things that led to, like, the used and AFI and chemical romance, all new, that stuff, new I think. Found hey, glory.
0: Newfound, Newfound
1: yeah, glory. Newfound glory. glory. I mean, there was a lot of bad the stuff. Dark, that the dark period of
2: the late 90s, but, as we talked about before.
1: <laughs> but you can't blame Green Day for that, just like you can't blame Pearl Jam for Creed's existence, I think, or Nickelback. I think you um, can
2: blame Pearl Jam, maybe, but it's okay. We'll let it go. You
1: can blame them, but I just don't think it's their fault. Yeah, I guess you can yeah, blame you them. You. But anyway, I think Green Day. Dookie some may blame. Some as... can
0: blame Pearl Jam's existence
1: for this show as well. So it's yes. fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think Dookie still stands as an incredible album. Um, you know, it, it could be their best album. You could say American Idiot, which they made, I guess, ten years later, was also an mm-hmm. incredible album. So those two. Probably towering achievements of Green Day's career. So that anyways, was yeah, for,
2: for, I was not a Green Day fan back in in ninety four. I, I just couldn't get yeah. into it. There's just again, there's so much else going on that was uh, striking my you know striking a chord. All the grunge stuff that was coming out, you know, with with that we we've, we've been talking about. Um, you know, In Utero had just come out and all that stuff. So I was really into that. I was really into the dark stuff and and uh, you know. Dookie was just too poppy for me but it, and I did I didn't really become a Green Day fan until uh, American Idiot came out and then I listened to the hell out of that album um, and I you know I could totally come around on on it since then Dookie it absolutely stands up um, Oh yeah when so I me, when I
1: hear oh, go
2: ahead sorry as I was just saying it just it just didn't hit with me at the it didn't speak to me at the time but now I can see how important it is you know
1: Yeah I love well, I listen to Longview kick in with the like the, the you know the yeah. chorus the Longview mm-hmm. it still gets me going Well
0: time. I I loved I was a huge Green Day fan another music moment was getting to see them on that Rise Up after Dookie I got another Patriot Center memory got to see them on the floor at that show and you you And it was one of those moments where I I talk to people about this a lot, like one of those moments where you're like, okay, I'm part of something. You could tell that you were part of something. Looking back on it, you couldn't tell then. You didn't know if this band would fade away or not. But you look Mm -hmm. back now and you're like, oh, my God, I saw this. This is a band that I saw literally on the way up not when they were too little uh not when they were too big but just as they were hitting it and just as they were becoming really the biggest band you know because they had a time period where they were the biggest band in the country and it was just before that and it was a great great moment to see them then i wanted to kind of table the disc where i mean this is this is awesome i wanted to table the discussion about favorite tracks on each album because i think that's important but quickly i can't wait any longer because i've got uh, strong opinions about dookie because it's one of my favorites todd your favorite track on dookie what is it
1: uh, I think i got to go with Longview. Okay. It's incredible. Right. Incredible. Yeah. I love the, the drum part, the yeah. bass line, the yeah. guitar. Like, every part of it, I think, is just genius. But yeah. What drum do you is, think? In that?
0: My favorite, uh, Chump is great, and then also Burnout. I love those two songs. They're just so good. Uh, is Burnout the
1: opener? Yeah, the Burnout's one? the opener. Okay. Oh, That's my a great song. The way that yeah. it
0: kicks in, it's, it's this, and it's just uh, great. I, great. Man, I, no I mean... There's, there were plenty of 14, 15, 16 year olds in 94 who hadn't heard anything like this before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh,
3: yeah.
0: All right. You can imagine 15 year old me jumping Sorry, around. Sorry. You just reminded me of the yeah. scene
1: in High Fidelity, the movie where, where uh, I think it's the girl from uh, from Roseanne comes in and he mm-hmm. plays, and the guy plays her, uh, I think it's Stiff Little Fingers, because they were from the late 70s. And he's basically saying, You know, Green Day? And he plays her that. And she's like, Whoa, that's awesome. And, and basically he's like, that's where Green Day got their stuff, like wire <laughs> and the stiff little fingers. But I think it's a great scene right. because it, yeah. you know, it was a case of like showing someone from a younger generation, well, this is where that came from. And so that's the cool thing about Green Day is it got me to go back, I and mean, maybe not Green Day by themselves, but between them and Bad Religion and Pennywise and all the great Southern California bands, Rancid of the early mid-90s. That got me to go back and listen more to Sex Pistols and The Clash and, like, a lot of the, the early – the Ramones, a lot of the early punk stuff. So and that was a cool thing is I think it got kids of the 90s going back to the 70s. And a common,
0: den- that. a common denominator about all these bands that we mentioned is they all had some weird stuff on their albums. There was some weird stuff on Green Day – Back in yeah. uh, Kerplunk, had a weird was track. was a regrettable trend <laughs> this, this, the This, this, is, the
2: era, this yeah. is the era of the hidden track. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. Nirvana uh, had that
1: too on Nevermind. They had yeah, a track.
0: yeah. Well, they had it. That was a good That was, was that, what, what was the hidden track on Nevermind?
1: Right. Wasn't it Endless Nameless? Something was in the Oh
2: Endless Nameless. Yeah, yeah. I
0: think so. Uh, no, yeah, something in the way it was on the album. I don't know that it was a
1: good No, no, good uh, song, but... well
0: the, the best oh we should do a show. Best hidden track. In my mind, best hidden track of all time, You're a trash girl by Cracker. But uh, anyway, um, it is good. HF
1: Festival ninety four headliner, there you go. Yeah, but no, they had a weird
0: <laughs> they had a weird one on Kerplunk, which was the album of course before Dookie, where Trey yes. Cool just said some weird stuff.
1: Anyway, that's what everybody oh, I didn't did. Remember that. Hey,
0: everybody they had to fill CDs back in the day, so you had to fill it or else uh, Jimmy Iovine would be upset. So, but anyway,
1: going yeah. back, so going back to Dookie, Rolling Stone did a good piece, like a 20-year anniversary piece about Dookie uh, in the last month or so, and they it was cool. They interviewed the band and they talked about like the big backlash, especially in the the Berkeley Bay Area punk scene, because Dookie was their major label debut, and they had a pretty big following in like the Gilman Street scene in Berkeley, but people like hated them, and that was the environment you were in, in not just punk, but also the whole grunge scene, that anti-commercial. Environment, but it's funny because Green Day was one of the first, you know, the big uh, bands, or I guess first bands to cross over, sign with a major label. But anyway, it's got it's funny because it has the whole story of Green Day going to major labels and shopping around and going to LA and meeting with all these big people, including David Geffen. And the great story there was that David Geffen thought he was going to sign Green Day, and they told him they were going to sign with him. But it, he also said to him, he said Kurt Cobain, who is still alive at the time, he said Kurt Cobain is like a son to me. And Billy Joe said. He's already got a son. I don't want to be with him. What am I going to be, his stepson? So he ended up signing with <laughs> unknown producer Rob Cavallo, and Rob Cavallo produced Dookie, and the rest is history. That's so a
0: great story. I love. Th- yeah. This is where Todd's research totally pays off because that's a great Absolutely. story. It was. It yeah. was a
1: great story because I was like, yeah. it's cool because a lot of people don't put Nirvana and Green Day together, but they really were. You know, you were talking about the same talking to the same people, that same idea of, of signing with a major label, which was a big deal back then when you were like an indie band. Uh, Nirvana from Sub Pop and Green Day was on Lookout, I think. Yeah. But it, it, was, uh, it was funny, because as teenagers back then, reading all about all this stuff, it made you think that this was, you know, this whole sellout thing was a big debate. But you don't hear that anymore. You don't really hear. I think you stopped hearing about that by like the late 90s. The whole sellout. Yeah.
0: Uh, that's a whole other topic, right? Do you have? I mean, it now is. you do you have. How do you make? You it, how do you sell. make money in music as a whole? I don't think topic. you can sell out yeah. anymore. Yeah, now yeah, yeah. you can
1: sell your song to Cadillac or Cheerios, yeah. and no one's calling you a sellout because it's much, the only right? way to
0: make any money.
2: Yeah, it's right, the only so, way you can. Yeah, yeah, stay on so. the road.
1: Right. So anyway, that was Dookie number three, and then number two, an agreement with Harrison. There's a lot of overlap here, but uh, Weezer, the Blue Album. Um, very hard to put that above or below Dookie because I kind of put them very much an, on and par with each other. You guys both um, have Weezer please.
0: Blue Album on your list. Favorite tracks yes. for each of you guys on on those <sighs> tough call. I'm so I mean, curious if they overlap. That's why I'm asking. You know, it's so to look at albums and, and obviously everybody has their own favorite track. Yeah, so, I mean
1: the singles yeah. were all awesome, but the, yeah. even the every you take almost any song off that album and they were amazing. I would have to say, um, the world has turned and left me here great song i love that
2: song that is good uh hey, my name is jonas first track yeah. yeah
1: that was that was that was another one i was i could argue in surf wax america i still love that one uh, yeah. you take your car to work i'll take my board i love yeah. that
2: <laughs> say it ain't so still yeah say it uh, ain't that so was a great song so good. Yeah. incredible yeah. the yeah. sweater song you had buddy yeah. holly
1: obviously i mean yeah just incredible yeah. the gar- in the garage i love that song mm-hmm. but uh anyway so and he talks about his kiss records actually on that album I think it was on In the Garage, he talks about his kid. Anyway, going back to Kiss. But anyway, so I had Weezer, number two. That album still holds up incredibly well. Um, you could argue it's Weezer's best album. I'm actually probably, well, that or Pinkerton for me, I mean, which is the follow-up to the Blue album. Um, obviously not as commercially successful, but the Blue album was incredible. And So I think we can, I know Harrison agrees on that one. And then number okay. one, Ron Unplugged, you know, we have talked about that one, but to me, no, there was no question for me, Um, You know, I debated it with Vitalogy, but obviously, as I explained, I knocked Vitalogy down the list. I mean, Unplugged was, sadly, an incredible kind of finish to Nirvana's, you know, career. And, you know, I can't think of a much more, a better kind of, uh, well, unfortunately, it had the whole vibe of a funeral, looking back on it. And that was kind of the interesting thing. I was reading about the production on the the set, and Cobain... um, had specifically requested the the all the lilies that they had on the stage, the black candles, and the producer, I think it's Alex Coletti. He said to him, he's like, he's like, but he's like, do you want that to look like a funeral? And Cobain was like, exactly. <laughs> so wow. it's weird, it's weird. But that was the that was the vibe you get watching that that show. But um, yeah, I mean, it was incredible. Even like the the three meat puppets covers, they they fought them on that. They didn't want them to bring out the meat puppets because they were like. No one knows who the hell these guys are, but they were opening for Nirvana at the time, and Kurt Cobain really wanted to do it. So, you know, he really did wrestle control, it seemed like, of the show from the producers. Um,
0: Harrison, you got your breakfast buffet going over there, or what? You, uh... Uh, sorry, I dropped my flask.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Harrison's making omelets while we record the show.
1: And one <laughs> other funny story from that Unplugged was that, uh, Kobe, yeah, that <laughs> we talked my... a little about how bands treated the Unplugged... Uh, the whole idea of playing unplugged. And Cobain, I guess Kurt did, Cobain, didn't like the idea that bands were still trying to play their rock songs as rock songs, just on just acoustic. Right. And he wanted to have a whole different vibe. Um, and that's part of why he picked like "Man Who Sold the World" and the covers that he did. Um, but it was funny that was that Cobain was really nervous, apparently, going in the rehearsals leading up to the show. And so part of the way he comforted himself was that he, other than whatever drugs he might have been taking, they say he was actually on with. Like, suffering from withdrawal during the rehearsals. Um, but anyways, he, he he was very afraid of not having his guitar pedals, and so uh, he built a little wooden box that covered the pedals so you couldn't see it on the broadcast, and it looks like a monitor wedge, which is something that they would use you know, on the set anyways, but he covered up the pedals and still used them because he didn't like the idea of not having his pedals because he used them so much mm. on their regular shows and they were saying you can actually hear it specifically on Man Who Sold the World you can hear like him using a fuzz pedal through an acoustic guitar which is anyway I thought that was interesting partly as a guitar nerd aspect, but yeah. probably is Kurt Cobain trying to make, still do what he wanted to do. You <laughs> know, that hadn't been done. No, that is, that's interesting.
0: And, and that brings to mind, I, I was at the experience music project in Seattle, not too long ago, and they had a Nirvana exhibit there. And you, you see some of the other stuff that Kurt Cobain did. You see some of his artwork uh, as a teenager, which is amazing. Uh, some of the drawings and things that he did. And when you talk about him building the solution and kind of, you know, building his own, the box, uh, um, uh, for the pedals and whatnot it makes sense when you read more about kurt cobain he really i mean he loved to create things and whether it, w- it was music or art or anything else the guy loved to create things and anybody uh, i don't know if the exhibit is still going on but if it is uh it's up, up in seattle at the experience music project it was fascinating to see yeah, it's a great. I, I haven't
1: you know. seen that exhibit but it's a yeah. great um i really enjoyed going to the experience music project yeah. there's a lot of cool hendrix stuff as well
0: yeah there uh, so, yeah, of course, plenty of Hendrix stuff there. But, uh, well, and then I guess we got to keep doing what we're doing. I like to do w- with the overlaps your favorite tracks off of the each, everybody's favorite tracks off of the Nirvana Unplugged album. Since it's on everybody's list, I'll, that's a little tease for my list. But uh, Todd, your favorite tracks on Nirvana Unplugged? Whew,
1: favorite ones. That's tough. Uh, Man Who Sold the World. I love that cover. Yeah. Um, so I'll go with that.
0: Harrison. Petty Royal Tea. All right.
1: It's one of my favorite
0: And Polly was yeah, really good, too. For me, it's Lake of fire all right oh, so yeah. nice. so a lot of overlap with your list and i i am i'm i'm somewhat disappointed with the lack of, there's one missing from your from both of your lists that i'm very disappointed about but we'll, we'll get into that <laughs> I, think I know now. what now yeah what we'll, get? We'll, we'll get into that i i don't understand because you guys have focused a lot not that, that obviously grunge was a high point at that time but there was other stuff out there so there's one no it's not hootie and the blowfish cracker no, all oh, no. That, <laughs> that was an honorable mention for mine we'll get an honorable mention soon. Hey, that was one of the the
1: albums
0: this show is going is going long i hope you guys don't have anything to do um because (laughs) i i don't mind we're gonna keep going this is so much fun so uh top all right my top five here we go at number five beastie boys ill communication and my favorite track on that is get it together you mentioned the singles harrison but get it together (laughs) bringing q-tip in on that track it, it no, was, I love it's, that one. it's awesome get it together is great. yeah it's it's amazing uh number four nirvana unplugged which has been talked about plenty in the show already to this point number three is biggie ready to die and for you guys not to have that album on your list neither of you i'm shocked i'm, look, I'm just i, shocked. I, I, mean, I it gets honorable mention
1: yeah but i I, um, I just have to say it wasn't for me that influential at the time i can look back and see obviously it was hugely important album but i wasn't sitting around listening to Ready to die, you know, in 1994.
2: I don't know right. about you, Harrison. Uh, I mean, no, I was, I wasn't either. And, and no, it is, it is kind of a, you know, our, uh, our blinders, you know, our, our 34 um, year old white guy blinders on uh, that, we, <laughs> that we both of us missed this. And Scott, thank you for putting it on the list. Um,
0: I mean, no, it, 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 it's the it's in, in, in my mind We'll do another show About just hip hop But in my mind The best hip hop track Of the, the, the golden era of hip hop Which is Juicy And, and it's freaking make amazing I mean And all the niggas in the struggle You know what I'm saying This song It's all good baby baby It was all a dream I used to I'm about to drop the mic By the way guys
3: <laughs> 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 Is that a metaphor? <laughs> Mr. Magic Molly mall
0: Anyway, Juicy on that album Along with Big Papa, of course But Biggie, Ready to Die uh, Is so influential And, of course, also released in 94 So that's my number three My question on that, do you Um, think
1: that was his best album Or do you think... uh his last album was yeah the last album
0: might have been better but it's just that it it came out at this time like i said when when all this when everything was was coming together as far as as far as hip hop and and i felt like the torch was being passed and also i just loved the track i love some of the tracks on this album so much that i think without it um you know his body work is obviously somewhat small right so, right, um, and y- it's singles-driven. Y-
1: you know, That's the only, that was my only I guess yeah. thought was that like like Harrison got at earlier is that rap albums, rap has never been an album-driven format like rock has. So it doesn't it lends itself to great to amazing singles, but I feel like not as much amazing live uh, amazing albums. There are amazing albums out there, so I don't want to I'm not going to say that. I think Tribe Called Quest had some incredible albums. Yeah, but, and- but anyway.
0: Yeah, I, I think... So, yeah oh man, putting it up with... I mean, Life After Death, you're talking about... The issue with Life After Death is, you're, you know, Mo' Money, Mo' Problems bring... Like, the, the thing about that song is I feel like it, it just... I don't know. It Became such a pop, yeah, yeah. Mega, mega hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hypnotized
1: <laughs> did so, you know, too. I mean, yeah. that's when Biggie really crossed those, over. I feel like Ready to Die didn't, was not nearly the pop sensation. And I and I think that know, Life After I, Death I think was.
0: those tracks on Ready to Die are better than I mean, much better oh, yeah. than, than the other no, the mean, tracks. They, on, they weren't on Life After they Death. weren't
1: songs you were going to hear at a frat party or something dancing. You know, like, right. that's what happened with with Life After Death. Right. Yeah. So so I'm gonna lobby
0: for Biggie Rated. I hope I can do as good a sales job as Todd did on SCP Purple because you did a really good sales <laughs> job
1: on that. No, I, I'm glad you included it yeah. because you know, you're you're probably you're the biggest rap fan of the three of us. Right. I think mm-hmm. there's no no questions. So I think it's great you included Beastie Boys and you know, Biggie. I mean it's not like those I w wasn't aware of those when going around, you know, making the list, but just to me it wasn't as you know, as important personally, I guess. Number
0: yeah. number 2 for me was Dave Matthews Band under the table and dreaming in my mind one of the most underrated albums of the 90s the influence and importance of that album Can which, you really
2: call it underrated? Yeah, I don't, I th- I don't I think it was like underrated.
0: Every
1: college you know, dorm room had a copy of that.
0: Yeah, I but the yeah. critics Yeah, but any critic most criticalists leave it out. Most no, crit- critics, because, yeah, hated they, Dave yeah, they hate yeah. Dave, and they still, they still do. And with the the that album, because what it did was, which is, it's, but Fish released Hoist in '94 too. Um, that was a great album, actually. which was, was incredible. A- so you had this, you had the, the, what it did. It brought the jam band scene to the mainstream under the table from beginning to end is an incredible album we know what happened to dave matthews later on it got adult contemporized right obviously uh it is what it is but under the table and dreaming is a fantastic album and i don't think that it should be overlooked because of the fact that critics don't like uh the band's later work you know i I, I
1: agree with you i agree with you the only thing i would say on under the table and dreaming is for me personally i actually listened to it this week and I, but it uh, it didn't age to me quite as well, I guess, as some of the other stuff I Well, but it, if I if you asked me in 1994, I probably would have. And I think that's the interesting thing here is I tried to go more with my perspective today than my perspective then. And maybe you well, would still argue it's. I guess you'd still argue it's one of the best albums of the
0: year. It doesn't age because it doesn't fit in. You know, It doesn't play nice with what became rock music, which is the indie rock of today, right? Whereas I think Nirvana and Pearl Jam and some of the other stuff, and more so the lesser-known stuff of the 90s, actually, like Pavement and some of the other stuff, plays real nicely with that and kind of fits in with that, even in Alice in Chains. Whereas you know Dave Matthews kind of went is its own thing because Dave Matthews it's a pop act right I mean literally Dave Matthews band is a pop act and. Um, but that, that shouldn't be frowned upon. I mean, the reason e- e- that, that Dave Matthews became a pop act was just because the album became so damn big. And I think that when you talk about, does it hold up? I think it's still great music. Um, I think it's hard to listen to because of the connotation that Dave Matthews said. I have this whole theory that Dave Matthews is the Neil Diamond of our generation, but
3: I can go hmm. into oh, that. that's another, interesting. another Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, I, I think
0: he's, because Neil Diamond has, <laughs> Neil Diamond has this cred, right? You see Neil Diamond, um at the last waltz right and you as a, as a person who only knows deal diamond from the last 20 20- to 30 years, you'd be like Neil Diamond, that cheesy singer, right? And then yeah, you see Neil Diamond it, right? h- hanging out with Van Morrison and the band and Roger Waters and you're like, oh, this guy had some cred back in the day. And then obviously he became a mega pop star. And I think it's the same thing with Dave Matthews. Dave Matthews had cred, still arguably still does, but definitely had cred as not just a pop star back in the day. And this album was massive. It was it was huge. And it was the intro to Dave Matthews that everybody had. And I, I think it's... Um, um, I, I don't know. And it sounds, to me, it sounds very different than a lot of the stuff that came after. Maybe because the other stuff just wasn't as good, so maybe that's why. But I, I don't know. No, I think you you're
1: know. right. I think you're, you're – what's interesting is I did dude, go
0: back – I'm going I'm to keep going. Sorry. But I, I can't – the other <laughs> thing about this album <laughs> – because another album that came out, not only did Fish's Hoist come out in 94, Rusted Roots' When I Woke came out in 94. So what you had all of a sudden is you had this totally different sound being injected into alternative radio. You had Cheryl Crow being played on alternative radio. You had Hootie and the Blowfish being played. Blues Traveler, right? Didn't yeah, 4 come out that of year? of course. So some- yeah, Blues Traveler 4. So what you had is you had suddenly a variety. It wasn't just grunge. And and without Dave Matthews, I don't know if, if any of that would have necessarily – Happen. I don't, I, I don't, and that for better or worse, there are people who are going to say, well, okay, so none of this would have happened. And I, I'm going to go and I'm going to say, without Hootie and the Blowfish, I don't think a lot of it um, would have happened. And I think a lot of the success that Fish saw in the years following was due to bands like Hootie and the Blowfish and Dave Matthews, and of course, the creation of the Horde Festival oh, becoming definitely. mainstream. So I, I I, I, the importance of Under the Table cannot be underestimated as far as albums of 1994 in my
1: mind. Well, what's interesting, the what point you got at is that I will say, like you listen to that album, and or Dave Matthews in general, really had his own sound. And yeah. There, there was really nothing else. I, I don't think there's much else that sounded like Dave Matthews at the time. Or yeah. even after. He, he made he jam really...
2: music approachable, I think, is right. what, what happened. Right. Yeah. And
1: unfortunately, he kind of adult contemporized it, as you said, later. Yeah. Um, but, mm. but I would say Under the Table and Dreaming, the album before it, um, Remember Two Things, and even Crash, the album after it, I think those mm-hmm. were all kind of high watermarks. Yeah, and then I think he lost me with before these crowded streets and everything after that. Well, yeah, I, I,
0: I agree with but. you, but this is a common theme. But but that's that's a common theme, and we're saying the same thing about Pearl Jam. We're saying the same thing to a degree. Yeah. You know, Nirvana is different because obviously they had to stop putting stuff out. But definitely, you said the right. same thing with Pearl Jam, and you know, I, I think it's a generational thing. I think it's purely a generational thing because that's when we were introduced to these bands during that, that era. Um, so not purely, but but it, you know, I. Anyway. I no, know. I, 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 I get, I get it, what you're saying. You know,
2: because that's, what, that's when we were, the, the music was freshest to yeah, us. And we, you know, yeah. For the first time, we we're actually experiencing it. The is, one
0: exception may be Green Day's American Idiot, because that album's so damn good. Yeah, that, yeah. That, you know, the, and so it actually Green came Day. out
1: 10 years later. It was right. It unusual. Right. Because yeah. the arc of most of these bands is they, they're lucky if they put out three great, maybe three good to great albums. Yeah. And most of them, you know, by the late 90s were were you know, not putting out the same, maybe they weren't, you know, Pearl Jam was still a great band, they were mm-hmm. putting out the same quality as they were before, and so all, most of these bands declined, you know, Weezer declined as well, and people argue over them still to this day, but, um, you know, in Green Day, but but it's an interesting point, I think most, you know, most bands can't sustain a very high level for an extended period of time, I mean, that's rare to find Yeah.
0: Out my my number one is is green days dookie which obviously has been already talked about on the show so uh so that's my my top five is uh from one to five green day dookie two dave matthews under the table three biggie ready to die four nirvana unplugged and five beastie boys ill communication so we got to make the final list but there's still a lot of honorable mentions to discuss. I think I mentioned. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I wanted to throw a few out there, and then we can go around. But I did want to talk about the importance of Hootie and the Blowfish' "Cracked Review." I it I, I don't I don't even know how to describe the importance. I think I'd have to sit down and like write a paper on it. But um, it, it there's something there. <laughs> I'd love to read you, that paper. But do you guys agree with me or am I, like there's something there? <laughs> I mean, it was huge,
2: huge album yeah, at the time. Yeah, it was. It uh, was. I, Darius Rucker being, you know, a black guy breaking out in, in basically a weird, like a almost a folk music genre, you could call it. Which was right. then being played was, on alternative very,
0: on alternative radio. Right. On alternative radio. Yeah. I mean he was a it
2: was a trend center that way. I also don't think you've seen a bigger backlash from an album <laughs> than what happened when they put out? What was what was uh, uh-huh. Fair, when Fairweather, Fairweather Johnson?
3: Johnson.
2: <laughs> Didn't yeah, they get banned by like HFS? HFS banned the album. Banned Fairweather Johnson from the radio because just, I remember listening to they announced in the morning show. Um, they were not going to play the album because they said it's, There was absolutely nothing musically different about it from Cracker Review, it, and they said it added nothing, and they refused to play any of the songs. <laughs>
1: Which I think um, is kind of BS, because how many other bands put out stuff that they weren't adding to what they did before? You know, it's just because Hootie was massively popular. It's just
2: band. huge, yeah. And you well, know, as soon as you have Dan Marino showing up in your music videos playing golf, I think you <laughs> jump the shark.
1: But they love the dolphins. Come on, it's <laughs> yeah. true. They jump the dolphins. Yeah, dolphin. well, there's, there a, you yeah go. there's a problem. <laughs> oh, the dolphins! Right?
0: Hey, look, the dolphins make you cry. Okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or no, me cry. Even Didn't even the they dolphins. Have Chris Furman in like the Sports Center video yeah. or something. Yeah, that yeah. was yeah. that yeah. was
0: a bad. You're right. Now you're now you're. That was a bad lyric. Even the dolphins make me cry. Does
1: that only want to be with you? <laughs> yeah. I think? yeah. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Yeah, well, um, look at Darius Rucker's career reinvention. It's 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 oh it's yeah he's a lot.
0: No, it's a, the the the, the, the oh, I could do another paper on the history of wagon wheel. I mean, I, I think yeah you need to get to work <laughs> on these papers. i will <laughs> yeah. read these. Come on. I know. So my I this will my l- l- new read. I give an honorable mention to the Blowfish Crack Review. I think its importance is kind of underestimated because it was massive at the time, um and for good reasons, not only bad reasons. Well, I thought it's important yeah. to
1: understand the context. Yeah. 1984. of yeah. Everything that was happening.
0: I think. Uh, Pink Floyd's Division Bell, which was their last studio album. Uh, the reason I mentioned that is is personally, uh, that's what kind of led me to discover what Pink Floyd was. I remember them being on tour. I remember being in high school at the time and, and that show being a thing that people were going to. Oh, and it yeah. was really the I, I don't it know for a fact. Was, I didn't look it up. Is it the last the final tour? The final? That was their final it was tour their last, last
2: tour before Floyd. they broke up. Yeah. I remember um Yeah. I
0: mean, still Waters wasn't with them then, but but obviously it's the last massive tour that they did, right? Yeah. I
2: really yeah. wish
1: yeah. I regret not seeing that yeah. that tour.
2: I remember that. That and the uh, the Billy Joel, um, Elton John, or the Billy Joel tour that year, yeah. River of Dreams tour, were the big shows that everybody went to.
1: I think <laughs> the River,
0: really river of
2: awesome. yeah, Dreams a little before, yeah. River Dreams yeah. a little bit before. Well, it came
1: out in 93, but he might have toured it on 93. I think he yeah. toured it in 93.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah so, we were, so, we were freshmen in high school. I remember everybody wearing the T-shirts the next of day. Of course.
1: Uh, I, the
0: River I, of Dreams. I, wore, yeah. I, did, I, I, I had a Stone Tone Pilots, and I have a Green Day tour T-shirt from those days. Uh, still so, my, I still have my Pearl Jam shirt yeah. from that show, too. So, so uh, that's because the tickets weren't so expensive that we couldn't afford the shirts. So, but now it's <laughs> the opposite. Um, so yeah, I think I think Pink Floyd's Division Bell was kind of important, and I kind of put it in the context of all the classic rock stuff going on. Then you mentioned Petty's Wild. Well, we haven't really mentioned much on the show, but Petty's Wildflowers definitely deserves some discussion. Oh, definitely. Uh, and, but, but Petty's Wildflowers was really. The uh, I'd say the the best of the bunch, and then you had Floyd's Division Bells You had uh, Neil Young's Sleep with Angels, which was actually the, the track Sleep with Angels was, was a tribute to Cobain. Robert Plant yes. and Jimmy Page doing a, an album together and touring again. So you see these classic rock guys still relevant, still playing really well at that point. Uh, I believe, that was a big hot know, ticket too. In yeah. Oh yeah. oh yeah. Oh yeah. Page and Plant. So so you had that going on. Uh, we didn't talk about Nas's debut album, which was uh, which I, I think you, if you were to pull people i think a lot of people would have that on their list as yeah, well yeah, and then uh, one more that i wanted to mention that means a lot to me and i've talked about his stuff on the show recently because he's got new stuff out and i went and very rarely does somebody come out with new stuff and it forces me to go back and listen to body work because i feel like now when i listen to new stuff by by bands that we've loved for a long time i'm usually pretty i've, I've been listening you know i'm familiar with right it doesn't make me go back at all usually um it, but G-Love, G-Love's self-titled debut uh, came out that... Year. Oh, no, maybe it wasn't his debut... The self-titled album. What's the? Da- oh, can somebody look that up and check? I don't know if uh, if it was. I'll it, check. It, it was I'll the self the self-titled album, though. But it had cold beverage. It had blues music. It, it's it's awesome. And like I said, why it means a lot to me is because I went. I actually found myself after listening to his new track, uh, "Feels Like Home." I went back and listened to that album. You know, just recently in the last few weeks, it's awesome. So uh, nice. I think that G Love, uh, you know, obviously not going to crack the top five. But a nice little mm. addition, and it's also the G Love sound. When you think about what's going on in this list, when you've got things like the Beastie Boys and Dave Matthews, and I think that the G Love sound fits in there. Guster, that was his
1: debut. That was his okay. debut. Guster, out.
0: Guster's debut also in '94. Uh, so another yeah, another band. Call. It's it's crazy, man. It's I mean, it really was this like all these bands putting out this stuff, and it was it was really a a, a vital time for for music.
2: Anyway, so I have so, a couple albums that I think yeah. need to be mentioned here. Oh, oh, wait, one more, one more.
0: Oh, oh, sorry, okay, Harris. Go ahead. go ahead. You might mention it, that we forgot.
2: Oh, I was gonna say Super Unknown. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ready? Sure. But, maybe maybe that wasn't it, but yeah. No, that wasn't no, that,
1: it. That was hard not to put on my list, yeah. just like Downward Spiral. I kind of put those two together. Yeah, yeah. I, but right. I think what
0: we've done today is we've kind of realized that Super Unknown may be a little overrated, but that's a whole not, You know, yeah. I think I think we've realized that, maybe. And then my uh, – we, we didn't – Oasis, definitely, maybe. I
2: mean, that's another
1: one. Yeah, that, we, yeah, that, maybe, that was yeah.
2: a huge debut album. Yeah. Another huge album that definitely doesn't stand up to time is Throwing Copper live, but that was a huge yeah. album. <laughs> I loved that album back yeah. then. I loved it. And I remember
1: seeing live actually at Bender yeah. Arena in DC back
2: in in Offspring. The '95. Nice, Offspring, Offspring, Offspring yeah. Smash. That's
1: a, no, that's an important one. Smash,
0: I would say, was important. Smash, um, because it was that whole punk revival thing with, right. so along, side, with Green well, Day, along, along with Green Day. Yeah, and mm-hmm. that was a legitimately. Good out, you know they they took one wrong turn and it really destroyed their careers and it was Was pretty from Yeah, yeah, it was. It really was. It was. I mean, that was. Otherwise, you. I'll find myself sometimes listening to some of the offspring stuff, new and old. And it really does rock. Like, it's good stuff. But, man, you can't get past the fact they came out with that song, Pretty Fly for a White. Guy, yeah. You know? yeah. And, yeah. and yeah. the other one. In. Oh, and the other one. Uh, why Don't You Get a Job? <laughs> that one was pretty bad. Oh, too. yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, Super Unknown is a good call, Harrison. Yeah.
2: 16 Stone by Bush. That was. Uh, yeah. I was, uh,
0: was going to mention that huge. one, too. Yeah.
1: yeah. Huge album. Yeah. yeah.
0: Wow! All right, uh, we've got. We still haven't even done the final five. So the final yeah. five. Well, so, so I was just gonna yeah. my
1: honorable mention. Oh yeah, go sorry. ahead, Todd. Sorry, no. I, I wanted to to uh, reiterate what you said about Wildflowers, partly because I almost put that in my top five. I couldn't yeah. put it over Purple and Vitalogy ultimately, um, but it's it's an. Inc- I went back and listened to it last week, and like it's just an incredible album. And actually, probably I, I would say I think it's Tom Petty. It's my favorite album of his, start to finish. I mean, he had a, a lot of great singles. Of course, before that, I mean, he'd been around for, like, 15 years probably, at least before that. Um, but I think it's it's still to this day his best album, and I love that album. So anyway, Wildflowers was was probably the hardest to leave off, but Super Unknown and Downward Spiral in there, too. Also, Jar of Flies, Alice Chains, that just – that was also – that came out that year. It yeah, oh, really? Yeah. I was a huge Alice Chains fan, and that – going back to to Nirvana playing – doing the acoustic thing from our hard rock band, Allison Chains did that I think beautifully with the Jar of Flies. Mm -hmm. So that was one other. I was going to mention, and I think you covered well. REM, Monster. I don't know if we mentioned that.
2: And no, that was on my yeah my list too. Uh,
1: that and Pavements, Crooked Rain, Crooked Rain, Black Crows, and Morica is a great album too. Also. Far out. Beyond
2: Driven, Pantera. I was about Far to say. Far Beyond Driven,
1: Pantera.
0: Yes. Yeah, and the Pantera Far Beyond Driven album was another one that I think a lot of people yeah. can make an argument for. Is you know branching again, it's like hip hop, but obviously on the metal side, branching outside of grunge. Um, right. Pantera definitely. And,
1: yeah. And the only reason I didn't include that one, well, there's, I guess you could say, a couple reasons. Far Beyond Driven was a great album, but I think that that vulgar display of power, which was the previous album, I think mm-hmm. that was Pantera's best album. So gotcha. yeah, I kind of took into consideration if it was a band's right. You know, high Point mm. or not, and we, I think we mentioned Outcast, their debut album, was also. That yeah, year. yeah, a huge year for hip hop, anyway. That's all
2: my yeah, I wanted to get those things in. Wow, and I just have one more Ruby Broom <laughs> Soul Coughing, which yeah. I didn't discover oh, yes. until much yeah, yeah. later. Yeah. yeah, 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 so it didn't make my list because yeah. I didn't really start listening to it till 97. But that is definitely one of my all time favorite albums. It's something I can listen to beginning from beginning to end over and over and over again. Yeah, all my, it might be my my single desert island disc if I had to choose Ooh. one album to listen to. Really?
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. That's fine. That's that's my phrase. You know but where it didn't I'll be? You five. know, not I didn't, I didn't.
2: it wasn't something I listened to in '94, so it didn't yeah. make you know,
0: my. Okay. Harrison, if you want to swim to my island, I'll be spinning under the table and dreaming all day long. So, uh, <laughs> there we, you, go. You, there you, we yeah, go. Yeah. So you. They toured together and. Uh, they did. I saw that show. Matthews covers. Yeah, Dave Matthews covers Soul Coughing. I saw. I've got a story about. I saw that show and then I went and saw Mike Doty at the question jar show about, what was that like five years ago or so mm-hmm. when you put the questions yeah. in the jar and then you pass them around and you get to he's ask still doing that
1: actually, by yeah. the way, he's still. Yeah. So that
0: idea. I, I, I did that and I was there with Sarah and, uh, she makes fun of me to this day because I, I might've asked the stupidest question anyone's ever asked when I, when I wrote basically something to the effect of, I saw you first when I was 16, and you opened for Dave Matthews Band, or maybe 15, whatever it was. Uh, what was that like? <laughs> Something. I didn't quite remember. like that. But I was like... Remember
1: yeah, that
2: time I, when he opened for D.B.? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. like that great Wasn't Chris
1: that Farley, cool? SNL. Yes, yeah, I, I I like do, cool. and I do have a... Asking jur- Paul McCartney, what was it like being in the Beatles? Kind of thing? <laughs> yeah. And I do have a journalism degree,
0: and Sarah does not let me ever live that down. I was—I don't know what I was getting... I mean, I know what I was getting at. I was trying to get at this basically hour-long discussion about music in the mid-'90s, but instead I just asked him what it was like. He definitely made fun of me, and um, he... he <laughs> uh, you great. know And, of course that was that so he dismissed anyway, it kind yeah, of. Yeah, he, yeah well he did he, yeah he he's he's like yeah he dismissed i would say he dismissed it and yeah. i uh, i want a second uh, chance
2: mike dody dave matthews tremendous brunettes if you want some yes. total synergy here yeah uh, great song yeah great song. Yeah. yeah great song all right let's Wait, get
0: is
1: dave matthews uh, is he involved with that he's that's on one. it he's, he's on, on it oh, no, he okay yeah. Yeah. yeah
0: oh another another idea for I'm top back. five hidden backing vocals ryan uh, uh yes. adam duritz on on ryan adams uh answering bell right is that right yeah yeah no you're right yeah that's a great um is it Answering Bell? Or did I miss it? Yeah, Answering it Bell. It is Answering bell. Right. bell. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. He is... did, Adam Durritz did backing vocals on a couple
1: songs, on, I think, on that album, Gold. And then I believe,
0: aren't there Elton John backing vocals on a, on an Adam Durritz track? Or is it vice versa? Isn't there? Uh, I think 30? there's a, mm-hmm. I think there's a, yeah, anyway. And there's a, a great, another one, uh, Pink backing vocals on a Michael Franti track. Okay. Well, anyway. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> we, we've digressed. <laughs> we best <laughs> albums of 94. Um... From top to bottom, the definitive list, and I uh, you know, I think it's obvious that Nirvana Unplugged and Green Day Dookie are both on the list, right? There's, yeah, there's no I doubt think, about that. So. Actually, I think this is going to be e- – well, we'll see. Nirvana Unplugged, Green Day Dookie, and um, there was one Vit- – Harrison Weezer. and I both had Weezer, Blue Album, And you both had Vitalogy, right? Or no? Vitalogy, uh, and Vitalogy, and And Beastie's Ill Communication. I mean, we could – that could be your five, but I'm going to be really upset if – if Biggie, you want to include
1: Biggie, don't you? I, I really we, yeah. do.
0: Do you guys see? Do you and and Todd? If you want to fight, you made a good argument for STP's Purple, but I don't know if it's going to. Oh, uh, I, I, okay. I love that one. But I'm okay. You could
2: you could drop you could drop Vitology off the list because okay. that's more of a sentimental favorite. Could, I think. Yeah. All, right. All right. I think
1: we both kind of argued why it's not their best album, even though it, we love it and it's a great. Yeah.
0: Album. So Beastie Boys are on. So we we have right now Dookie, Nirvana Unplugged, and Beastie Boys on the list. That's three. Do so we so have so Weezer? We, do, we don't have Weezer yet, because oh, okay, I want right. to. I have reservations about Weezer. Oh, do you have problems I, with Weezer? I right? have reservations because I, I, they were one of those bands that I, I actually got into. I mean, I, I liked them, but I didn't. I, I, I like them a lot more now, looking at their entire body of work, as opposed to the one album. Granted, that one album is probably you know fifty percent of the, the greatest <laughs> stuff that they put out. Mm. So I don't have a strong issue with it, but let's let's figure out okay. Weezer. All right, we'll table so, it. So Weezer is up there. I mean, Downward Spiral's gotten a lot of run today, but I don't. I don't know. I don't think Downward yeah. Spiral is an album. It, no, it, it's it's like super unknown, like really good. I, I agree. You know, it's like, like super unknown. Yeah, like not. It, yeah. All right. I hear you. It doesn't I, work I just, I just quite as well for me, it.
1: just like super unknown. But so, yeah, which is funny because they're touring together this year to both celebrate the 20th. Yeah, anniversary. and that was another nice. reason
0: we decided to start yeah. talking about this show, doing this show. Yeah. Um. So I would say. So now we've got left on the table the Weezer Blue album. Because I'm not taking it off. Stp purple. Biggie's <laughs> Biggie's ready to die. And are we? Is there? Are there any others that we should discuss for the final two slots? Nah, I, I think that's
2: good. That's, I think that's good.
0: That's it. Okay. Well, then I think the answer is obvious. I would think Weezer blue album makes it at four. And then it, yeah. it, are you guys okay with Biggie being number five? We can go Biggie number yeah, five. Go yeah, we'll Biggie put number five. Is, yeah, yeah. Biggie number five. So. The definitive list, the top five albums of 1994, an incredibly important year in music, would be number five, Biggie Ready to Die, number four, Weezer's Blue Album, number three, the Beastie Boys Ill Communication, number two... Oh, this is where. Wait, we've had. To, we haven't figured this out yet. Two and one, or t- two and
1: one. I, th- I think we could agree on
0: Nirvana. No, Nirvana. I think Nirvana think is okay. number one. Yeah. Okay. Sure. All right. So two. I think we
1: put Green Day number two. Two right?
0: Green Day, yeah. Dookie, and one Nirvana Unplugged. So recapping it again: Biggie Ready to Die at five, uh, Weezer Blue Album at four, Beastie Boys Hill Communication at three. Green Day's Dookie at two and Nirvana Unplugged at number one. Any problems or else that goes down is the definitive list uh, of the best albums. There it is. Definitive there it is. To me. All right. There it is. Well done. Definitive list. Well, that was. I don't.
1: I can't remember man. a list making uh, you know uh, as passionate as today. You know, this this we really I think we're all very invested in this. Yeah, this more was. More so than anyone probably.
0: This was this was good and yeah. Hopefully hopefully the audience has enjoyed it. and give us plenty of feedback. TwistedLister69 at gmail.com. News of the week. Uh, oh, you know what? Before we get to news of the week, why don't we discuss what albums we would we think we'll listen to uh, 20 years from now that have come out within the last 12 months. Just go around. Uh, nominations. Uh, Harrison, why don't you start with your pick?
2: Uh, for me right now, you know, this is a hard one to think about, but uh, I went with Yeezus. Um, Kanye. wow really i specifically Yeezus.
0: did not go with you wow i'm gonna disagree completely with you we'll we'll hang out in 20 years I disagree you're gonna, no. to,
2: you're gonna I, hear I, black skinhead you're gonna have the opening uh, riff to black skinhead at every nba game for the next 55 years it's, what you know, oh uh, I, I yeah you're gonna hear it yet it's on i'm telling you we can uh, always uh, I, that uh, album's, it's gonna it's, it's, I, love, I, I think that, that might i be don't agree it's, are, it
1: is the most polarizing album probably of the last 12 months yeah 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 <laughs> I so. mean, even the hip hop community, I think, was very divided, right? I mean, like Charlemagne the God, he kind of trashed it, right? Right, right, mm-hmm. that's
0: right, yeah.
1: And he's he's kind of a tastemaker, but anyway, I, I'm not a big fan of Yeezus, personally, but that's you know,
0: fine. It it'll 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 stand up over time. Well, that's but you know, it's interesting. Harrison is a fan of it. You've mentioned for a while now. You like that album, but it definitely yeah. has that Nine Inch Nails feel to it. and You're a big Nine Inch Nails it does. fan,
2: so yeah,
1: yeah. It's like if Trent Reznor decided to make a you yeah. know a Kanye, a Kanye album. That's yeah. what it would sound like. Yeah, yeah, like. yeah so anyway my, i i was gonna put my, my album of 2013 i would have to put up there just because uh, well i think it'll stand up for a long time but uh, vampire weekend their third album modern vampires of the city just an incredible album hmm. i think that band you know it separated itself from like the indie rock pack and i love a lot of indie yeah. rock bands but they're above that i think
0: do you think um, that album differentiates itself enough from previous vampire weekend albums i, to I, say? I think it does okay. I, I i
1: think i might have mentioned this on the show before yeah. but i think that album uh, took them from being this mo- a little more novelty indie pop band to being something greater. Okay. Um, and I think that that's why it was my favorite album of 2013. That's why I think I'll still be listening to it. Hopefully in 2034. Um, <laughs> you know, that's what we're talking about. I yeah. mean, 2034. Yeah. yeah. I think I'll still be listening. There were a few other bands in consideration, but well, I you'll didn't... be. At, you Those know, are...
0: at that at that point, there's gonna the headliner the headliner at is going to be a special. Show featuring Ezra Koenig and Karen O oh performing yes. together their hit underrated song, and, and Todd's gonna be in the front row. <laughs> Todd will be in the I, front row. Yeah, I will uh, totally be. i yeah. right up there. Ezra Koenig and, and Karen O perform an indie rock review for you. Yes. <laughs> Actually, <laughs> in yeah.
2: 2034, the headline's going to be an artificially intelligent gelatinous cube that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's true. But it'll be two guys in a MacBook, like at the Ultra Music Fest. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> two guys. <laughs> that's could, what it'll be.
0: It maybe two guys in a, MacBook. but they won't even need a MacBook. They'll have chips embedded. They won't embedded. need a MacBook. The chips will be They'll embedded have...
1: in their arms. They'll that's just... true. Yeah. The music will be. There'll be a thing plugged into their ear <laughs> yeah. to access what's happening in their brains. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, um, it'll be a brain in a jar, actually.
0: T- that's what I mean. Yeah, that's, that's a
3: brain. <laughs>
0: actually, that, and then Trent Reznor will be
2: controlling the brain. Yes, yeah. no, it'll be it'll be Trent Reznor's brain, actually.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, anything else to add on your pick for Vampire Weekend? No, no for, I, I mean yeah. that, that was I, as yeah. I say
1: there were some other ones I wanted to put up there, but I think Vampire Weekend. Yeah. I was trying to pick something that was somewhat popular. Because I didn't want to pick something like something that's indie rock, may not survive as much, right? And, and that's about the most popular thing I could think of that would you know, we'd still be listening to mine.
0: Mine was extremely <laughs> so. obvious. I, I went with Arcade Fires Reflector. I, I think ah, you know, okay. that's the band yeah. at the height. They're, they're really we talk about all these bands uh, being at the height of what they've done with these releases that we've talked about from '94, yeah. and I think that Reflector will be looked at as Arcade
1: Fire probably at the height of, of their album. That's interesting. I didn't think yeah. you put it up there as their finest, but I I you yeah, can, I, I, it, I, I think it's, it's a great grown album. it
0: is It it is grown on me. I'll say it is and definitely I, yeah it's grown I on me. The cool
1: thing about Arcade Fire is you could make the argument for any of their four albums, I think. Right. You know, as I, and people have, I've heard people say the first album's the Ooh. best. Personally Neon Bible, the second album is my favorite some people would say The Suburbs, and now you could say Reflector. And that's a great thing. You could, there aren't a lot of bands where you could make a case for four albums.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, indiv- yeah. an individual album being their best.
0: What I find about Reflector is it's interesting because when it first came out, I was, man, this is okay. I was not a fan of the No, nothing against the French language, but I wasn't a fan of the (laughs) French being spoken in the middle of the seven and a half minute first single, which was the 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 title track, Reflector. Uh, I I I thought it was a weird single. I thought, you know, it was it was a good song, but I thought that seven and a half minutes was a bit long for that song. Since then, that's several months ago, probably close to six months ago, whatever. uh, I find myself going back to that album every few weeks and listening to different stuff on it. So I think that that's why I think it has some staying power. So yeah, it's, a, it's a great yeah. album. Yeah, it's, uh, and it's then,
1: very dance, danceable more than their other albums.
0: Yeah, so. I uh, well, I guess I find myself dancing every couple weeks. There you go. There you go. Uh, news
1: of the People week. will still be dancing in twenty years, hopefully.
0: Yeah, that's true. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we're all still dancing. uh um, Still doing the safety dance. Sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'll leave it at Going that. Back. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. News. <laughs> News of the week, bringing it back to Lollapalooza '94. A guy who was on Lollapalooza '94, Billy Corgan, has announced that he is—I uh, don't know if he's already created it or not—but he has a professional wrestling league, and he's pitched AMC on an idea for a reality television show based on the Billy Corgan <laughs> professional wrestling league. Billy Corgan never seems to disappoint uh, with news stories for our show. So that's—he's
2: so desperate for attention.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> he is. He is Lollapalooza 2014 announced. I thought it was a pretty good lineup. Uh, nothing crazy, but I feel like they've created their niche and they're cool with it. And and uh, it's obviously Eminem and Outkast being the the headliners on the show. And I, I thought it was a, you know I think it was I, I thought it's a good lineup. Thoughts, Reactions?
2: Yeah. Nothing. I didn't see anything on there that differentiated it from any of the other big uh, summer shows that were out there yeah, right now. It, um,
1: it seems... My, my, my it's, thing
2: was, is it, it like, you know, I was going to say, Outcast has really figured it out. Like, you know, just book yourself on a bunch of tu- on a bunch of festivals, get guaranteed money up front. You don't have to tour, you know, you don't have to worry about bringing your stage with you or anything. You just have to, you know, get on a bus and show up, and you get paid. You know? Yeah, get 40, get 40 times model. in the summer, man. It's great, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah. And... Uh,
1: I agree that the the, the Walpoo's lineup is is great I mean it would be a great festival to go to but nothing other than m and nothing struck me as unusual or exceptional versus other lineups, but it's still yeah. a very solid lineup. Well, yeah.
0: to to me though, it seems a little more cohesive. It's obvious that they are clearly going for a younger crowd. It's heavier on hip hop and EDM than a lot of the other festivals. Uh, it's less like all over the place. I felt like it kind of. I, I felt like it was more cohesive than a lot of the other lineups. That was that was my take on it. They didn't try to be. They didn't try to go for some crazy headliner that doesn't exactly fit in Elton John. Uh, so yeah. that was, you know...
1: <laughs> Lionel Richie. Yeah,
0: anyway. Um, yeah, so so La Blues 2014 lineup announced. Wu-Tang announced this week they're going to make a new album. They're going to release only one copy of the album. <laughs> one copy. One, <laughs> one copy. One, one copy. It's going to be a record that is going to be placed in a museum from the way that I understand it. So that should be really it's, successful for Wu-Tang.
2: No, <laughs> 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 I was just reading about it. It is actually for them. It's like it's kind of an art project, you know. It's it's uh, trying to no. They're talking about how how like how do you value music now now that it's basically free? Like how do you how do you put a value on that in in in, in a way? And how do you count it as art? That's I think oh. the that was uh, Riz's whole thing is like music. You know, we we, we hold Beethoven and Bach to high esteem, but uh, today's music is completely disposable. That's his that's his theory. He's like so. What he wanted to do is create. Like a work of art, like you would, like a Rembrandt or a, or a Monet, something that's a one-off that you can only, that you know, is, has an exclusive exclusivity to it, um, to give that that music value. Now, to the extent that they actually hold to this and they don't release this as a as a commercial album in the next, uh, you know, six months, we'll see. But for now, if they actually stick to their guns and this doesn't come out in another form, I think it's a really interesting. Uh, Comment on the on the state of music right now um, as they as they presented
0: it. I disagree completely because the whole idea and this show actually is founded on the idea of this. The idea, great music is meant to be shared. So I don't, I don't, Mm -hmm. I think this is ludicrous. I understand that they're not getting. I understand the message that rizza is trying to say, but. Mm -hmm. No, this isn't the right implementation. Well, here, but, well, that, but here's, you
2: know? here's the concept. Now, now you have to actually physically seek this out. Like, you can't just plop Where? in front of your computer. What do you? What do you, wherever I? Don't... The, wherever it ends up, you know, you're gonna have to physically seek it out. You know, and who's I think that's do... that
0: adds... who's gonna do that? That's
2: ridiculous. <laughs> People will do it, dude. Are you kidding me? No no, 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 it. Harrison. But it's also meant to be shared. So
0: you have to. You're supposed to build new fans and find new fans. So you're. So I'm gonna be. I'm gonna tell some person who I think is like maybe may like the album. I'll go to you. And I'll be like, I just heard, I just went to the Smithsonian. I listened to the Wu Tang album. You really, mm-hmm. you you should you should go <laughs> think... you should go to the Smithsonian and listen. And you're gonna be like, yeah, it sounds like. A, thanks for sharing that with me. That's a great idea. Yeah, there's
2: there's room there's room for stuff like for that in music. I think. Yeah, uh, you know, the Flaming Lips have done some experimental stuff. where they had that one album that was four discs that you're supposed to all play at the same time? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. yeah. Um, now you don't even was, know where to
0: get. where you are supposed to get four CD players. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah,
0: I gonna a museum.
1: Come on.
2: Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, stuff like this happens in music. I I think we'll we'll see how it plays out. But I think I like the concept. I, I think it would be more
1: meaningful it. if it were a band <laughs> that, that was still very relevant. Right. That's my feeling. Like someone, a band where or Dude. artist where you were really anticipating. To, you could say right right. Kanye. You could say move Kanye. Move. Oh, if they came out with a new album, people would want to go listen to it. Yeah, they would, just like they want yeah. to see Shia LaBouffe with I think a bag. Wu Tang has done great stuff, but they're, I think they're far past their peak. Their
2: yeah. prime. I think it's hard to argue. That's I think not they're the always case. relevant. I don't know. I don't know if they're you know they're no Darius Rucker. They're so. relevant,
1: no. but they're they're not put. They haven't put out anything worth listening mm. to in like over a decade. So. I would love yeah, to going.
0: hear a, a Darius Rucker RZA duet, but. Whatever, that's fine. I guess. I'll have to wait. Uh, so, so uh, of course, NCAA tournament upon us. One shining moment uh, is is here. And your thoughts on one shining moment continuing to be used, of course, as the the theme song for the NCAA tournament and the Final Four, and at the end where we get that great montage. Yeah. What are your What are your thoughts, Harrison?
2: Um, well, I'd like to see it replaced with hey, Man, nice shot, which I think would be. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> nice
1: that's no, awesome that's
2: <laughs> nice yeah. i like uh, it which, it might have a bit of a darker edge to it but considering the fact that 67 <laughs> of the uh, best 68 basketball teams in the country are going to finish their season with a loss i think it's more appropriate <laughs> so, uh, a dark song from phil a dark from... song to remind everybody that everybody but five, you know 12 guys are going to leave disappointed from the tournament so
0: <laughs> that's that's great i yeah, I, I like that. That's that's funny. Um, I, I, you know,
1: I enjoy. I think the funny thing is at this point the song has become. Uh, it's like a parody to me at least. That it's so cheesy that it's so kind cheesy. of enjoyable as the you know the end of the tournament. So I would be sad if they got rid of it. But I do think the idea Scott came up with the idea of covering it. Someone covering the song, maybe using mm-hmm. that. And I thought that actually, I thought Eddie Vedder could do a great job with it. Oh, I'd yeah. love no. to hear that. Interesting. I would have
2: gone with Darius Rucker. Oh, that was my they pick. Darius Rucker. That was okay, my pick. Yeah. Have, you, have
0: you guys heard enough of the of the killer song yet? The uh, the sh- oh, shot at the night. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They played oh. the hell out of that. <laughs>
2: It's the right kind of cheesy. So. <laughs> it is. I actually
1: enjoy the. So I like that song. I was a little. I thought using it for basketball was pretty dumb, but I don't know. But it's it's still a good song. So I'd rather hear that than some other stuff they could be playing.
0: Yeah. Well, you'll, soon it'll be replaced. One shining moment within a few days. That's right. So uh, that that's happening, and of course, th- this was. Wow! This this was a show with some high energy. I hope the uh, I hope the audience enjoyed it, and obviously done as a, as a somewhat of a tribute to uh, the 20th anniversary of the death of Kurt Cobain, which
1: was um, which which. Can you queue up "The Mighty KC" by any chance?
0: Yeah, or, you know what? We, should we it, go out with that? Maybe? Yeah. Oh, we definitely yeah. should. Thank you. You know, we didn't. There we go. I, I didn't want to know, forget about. No, that. No. Yeah. Thank you for, for mentioning that. My favorite, uh, the, the best tribute song to Kurt Cobain. If you haven't heard it, it's called "Mighty KC" by Four Squirrels, and uh, we should listen to a little bit of that right now. Uh, there are some other tributes to to Kurt Cobain. Red Hot Chili Peppers wrote a song called "Tear Jerker." Neil Young, we mentioned that earlier, a song called Sleep With Angels. Uh, I think there are a few others. I think R.E.M. did a song. Yeah, I on R.E.M. Right of on Monster, say. which is another album that came out in 1994. Yeah. But uh, This is a song all about Kurt Cobain by a one quote-unquote hit, Wonder, called Four Squirrels, called Mighty KC. Uh, anything else before we wrap it up, guys?
1: I think that's it. That's
0: all right. good. All right. funny